0: Hello, welcome back to How to Rewrite Your Stars. This is Benjamin Fincher, joined today by Jessica Smith, also known as Paula Jean Ferry, because as she just told me, finding a Jessica Smith out there as an author is a difficult task. (laughs) So Jessica, (laughs) tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Um, So my name is Jessica Smith. I grew up in a small town in Southern Nevada, and I currently live in a small town in Southern Utah. Um, I like the small town aspect, obviously. Nice. I am an author and I have something called Tourette syndrome. Um, I call them Paula, which is actually how I came up with my pen name. So if I suddenly scream or make animal noises, that's what it is. I am okay. Sometimes I gasp too. The gasping one really gets people. So just as a heads up, I am okay.
0: <laughs> that's you good know to know. I'm not. Well, so. it's interesting. Um, I know on one of the previous episodes which probably featured about a month ago um for the listeners <laughs> um i'm trying to remember who it was but someone was talking about how they know oh I, I think it was jocelyn um so I, I don't remember when that episode aired because i like for, for the listeners i've recorded these like every episode that's come out until february between december and february I've recorded them all in between the week of december 8th and today's december 17th so wow. for me i'm just like um okay i remember i talked with them sometime within the past week but beyond that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was, it was jocelyn she said that she had a friend with Tourette's syndrome and so okay. i became just a little bit familiar with that okay But yeah, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story, Jessica. You say you like the small town feeling, which I've gotten to know a little bit more because my wife's from a really small town, which even you being in Southern Utah may have never heard of, but Holden, Utah.
1: I have heard of Holden. I've been to Holden.
0: Nice. Yes. (laughs) I like the small towns. (laughs) Right. But like, even if you're from Utah there's a very good chance you have no idea where it's at so for right. those of you not even in Utah don't worry about not knowing where Holden is
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably go google it just out of curiosity
0: right you, you have to zoom in really far in the map to find it
1: <laughs> right <laughs> same with Panguitch, but it's right outside of Bryce Canyon which is great I've got a year-round pass to Bryce Canyon I get to go over whenever I want and I love nice. it um, but as far as my story it actually comes from the Tourette syndrome. Um, Tourette syndrome, statistically speaking, will start to manifest around the ages between four and six for children. Uh Sometimes it will be diagnosed later because there's a lot of misdiagnoses. Sometimes it can take years. Sometimes it's something people recognize right away. Um, It's such a complicated animal sometimes. Um, I actually did not start ticking and making noises until I was 17. And even then it just sounded like hiccups. Like I I thought I just had a chronic case of hiccups until I think I was 18 or 19 and they started to not sound like hiccups anymore. That's when they started to fluctuate in pitch. I was a music major at the time, so I'm going to use a lot of musical terms because that's how... I remember it, you know, they started to fluctuate in pitch. They started to get more rhythmic. Um, I have a form called echolalia, which means I often repeat things that I hear. So my Tourette's will sing. I make animal noises. Um, I scream, I gasp, things that you would, you're would used to hearing anyways. But I, I tend to repeat things that I'm hearing fairly often. Lately, the newest thing is, oh, no. Um, you can tell when I'm ticking because it's like two or three octaves higher, again, musician terms. Um, very high pitched uh, as opposed to my normal voice. So
0: right. um,
1: about that time, you know, there is definitely something different. I didn't worry about it too much because even when I thought they were hiccups, they didn't hurt like normal hiccups did. Uh-huh. So I just kind of, you know, oh, whatever. But a lot of people were trying to, well, have you tried, you know, giving me all the hiccups, treatments you know have you tried <laughs> drinking water have you tried drinking water upside down have you have you, you tried drinking oil that one was
0: yeah
1: yeah the the drinking oil was mostly meant as a joke because you know something's squeaking oil fixes squeaks <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you ever have anyone tell you if you tried wd-40 <laughs> right
1: um it was actually entertaining while at the same time being slightly frustrating like i felt like they were trying to fix me
0: like right. I was
1: broken or something, and I'm like, I'm not broken. It's fine.
0: <laughs> it's but like, um, I could point out something about you that I don't think's right, but I don't do that, do I?
1: <laughs> right. I mean, in my mind, it was just a normal bodily function, like a cough or a sneeze or you know a burp or you know something that you can't control, but your body just naturally does. I figured there was a reason. I didn't know. I'm not a medical person, um, so it's fine. Um, but that was, you know. My perspective versus everyone around me's perspective, um, until I was 24 years old. When I was 24, um, I officially got a diagnosis of Tourette syndrome through a messy, complicated situation at college. (laughs) Um, that's a whole different animal, I won't go into that. That's that's quite a story,
0: (laughs) a whole story in and of itself,
1: right? Um Well, I guess, I mean, it's partially relevant. I was studying social work at the time and they couldn't place me in an internship because of these noises that I make, which meant that I couldn't graduate, which was okay. highly ironic given the field that it was. <laughs>
0: um, right.
1: So I ended up, it was a really rough semester. There was a lot going on that semester. So I ended up just can't graduate anyways. What's the point? I ended up failing all of my classes, which was traumatic in and of itself. I was a straight A student. (laughs) Failed everything. But lucky for me, the school had some really great policies in place. If you fail your classes one semester like that, you're not allowed to re-register until you see the school psychologist. And the school psychologist pulled out the DSMV, which has a list of every possible known diagnoses that can be that of what it could be and we just ticked things off one two three four it's Tourette syndrome and as a doctor I officially had a diagnosis um so after I couldn't study social work anymore I switched to a program called international cultural studies with an emphasis in communications talking about how different people communicate with one another um, especially across different cultures, different languages. And one class I took, favorite class, hands down, is called narrative identity and culture. And basically it talks about the stories that we tell ourselves as individuals and within cultures and how that, how they all kind of interact and, and play on one another. You know, we talked about the different types of stories and traditions that people tell and how that affects how we see ourselves how we see our culture how our culture affects how we see ourselves and understanding that everything is a story was kind of mind-blowing to me there there was my personal narrative of it's fine nothing's broken there was my cultural narrative of something's not right that's not normal right Um, and then the medical story or the medical narrative of this is tourette syndrome so i have these three different stories uh, three plus because i had culture and different people saying all sorts of crazy things i mean there's
0: right family friends acquaintances complete strangers
1: i mean religion can play a factor into the different narratives there's um i actually know some people with tourette syndrome who their family has performed exorcisms on them because they think they're possessed
0: Wow.
1: Like that's still a thing. It blows my mind that that's still a thing, but that's, that's out there. That's people have experienced this, you know, but these are all different stories that we're telling ourselves. And at any given point in time, we have the power to choose a different story and we can totally change our story, which is why I loved this concept of rewriting your stars because it's so simple yet right? at the same time so complicated like it's not easy to change a story that's been so ingrained in you for so long
0: right exactly well and even just you talking about it there's me sitting over here that really likes to get to the root cause of something and i'm just like so looking at it for my narrative it's like okay this isn't in all the other humans why is this human different? Like, what what, what makes that part of you tick? <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and, and, and like, uh, right. <laughs> and, and, and like, I don't mean that from a creepy way. It's just like a, why? Like, what is it? Like, what's different? Like, can we figure out what it is and change it?
1: <laughs> right. It's so fascinating. Like, I, I loved this new major and how life-changing it was for me looking at all of the different story aspects at a time where I was receiving a diagnosis and basically getting to choose what happens next. You know, do I go into this medical narrative of there's no cure, woe is me, I've got an uncurable disease. Again, kind of tying into this, I am broken from the, the cultural narrative of this, this isn't normal. Or do I take my own personal narrative on this? Where it's fine, I'm not any different from anyone else just because I make animal noises instead of a cough or a sneeze or a burp that anyone can do at any point in time, you know? Um, I, we also studied in that um, narrative identity and culture class about tricksters. And so instead of doing an internship, I did a senior research paper on how Tourette syndrome affects communication, specifically looking at the concept of a trickster where um just kind of as background because I had no idea before this class about tricksters even as much of a bookworm as I was um
0: yeah I'm like wondering what this word trickster is because I'm like well there's the prankster trickster but this sounds like it's a different kind of trickster they're
1: so much fun oh my gosh I love tricksters they're my favorite thing um a modern day example is going to be Captain Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh Someone who's constantly throwing chaos out into the world and causing problems, but at the same time, everything works out for the better. Um, The professor that taught this uh, had lived in the Marshall Islands for several years, and they have a trickster who was like the younger brother of God type concept. And I'm probably, I don't know the details on this. They have a specific trickster who, you know, would cause a problem and do all of these bad things but as a result they got canoes or causing all of these problems but as a result they got fire you know like right
0: like maui from moana or from hawaiian or island legends. yes
1: maui is a huge trickster especially the more that you look into the historical Cultural legends of it, huge trickster. Right.
0: Um, right. And I was wondering if that was what it was because I don't know if you ever played the 1999 Pandora's Box by Microsoft, mm-hmm. but I just played that one again recently and it's all about these tricksters because, well, Pandora's Box. Mm-hmm. And so it goes over the legends of Maui from the islands, it goes over the legends of Puck from England, it goes over the legends of Ares or Eris from Greece mythology and then coyote from native Americans and monkey Mm -hmm. from Japan (laughs) and, um, Anansi from Africa and then Raven from tribal, like, um, Mm -hmm. another North American tribe. And I'm just like, okay, is this what we're talking about? And so that's kind of cool.
1: They are tricksters. Um, and so what I started to do is to see, I mean, especially where this was a fresh diagnosis and all of these things were coming in to like my brain at the same time, looking at my Tourette syndrome as a trickster, as something that yes, may cause problems, but what are the benefits of it oh. and how that affects communication? So what I learned from this, this is so cool. This is like my, my thing. And, um. My I, that research paper eventually ended up becoming my first book that I call awkwardly strong because awesome. awkward is the best thing in the world. I love awkward is <laughs> what awkward moments are is basically a time where there are no unspoken rules. Culture is full of unspoken rules. Sometimes we know that they're unspoken and we'll joke about them. Like never asking a woman, her age or her weight, Right. you know, like, Those are kind of unspoken. We know not to do those things, but we can joke about it. But there's, it's so subconscious because this is just how we've grown up for so long that there's unspoken rules for most situations. You know, you just kind of instinctively, quote unquote, know how to act in certain situations.
0: Which gets really interesting when you cross cultures. Right.
1: (laughs) Right, or languages because
0: exactly. you're like <laughs> well this thing that you would normally know or that I would normally know neither of us knows about the other one
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. so what an awkward moment is is there's no unspoken rules this is a completely new situation and we don't know how to respond mm-hmm. which Tourette's causes a lot of that if I'm in the middle of a quiet church service and all of a sudden scream at the top of my lungs and then make a dolphin noise what do you do with that nobody
0: knows well first you look around and you're like okay am i in a quaker population (laughs) no i'm not um (laughs) and i've got ancestors who were quakers so i like know a little bit about that and kind of joke about it every now and then
1: yeah
0: but i I do so trying to be out of respect but also like i know that's a thing
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah, it is. (laughs) But with my experience and my, you know, cultural upbringing and my religious upbringing, no one knows what to do. Like I get these wide eyes stares and everyone just turns and looks at me. And it's awkward because they don't know what to do. And it's awkward because initially I didn't know what to do aside from turn red and try and hide because I don't know how to respond. But right. once I realize that all an awkward situation is, is that no one else knows the rules either, I get to lead. I get to choose what happens in that moment. I can, you know, laugh, cackle like a mad woman and say, excuse me. Or I can <laughs> <laughs> or I can make a joke about, you know, where'd all the fish go? Where, you know, because I'm making a dolphin noise. <laughs> you know, I get to choose what happens and how people respond. Or I can choose to give everyone else stink eye. Like, what? Haven't you ever heard a dolphin noise in the middle of church before? Like I'm no, look one... at you
0: like, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the point is, is I'm the one in control because I recognize that no one else knows what's going on. And so right. this concept of awkward and like being in control was also a huge aspect of rewriting my stars because there's a lot of that
0: <laughs> well and I feel like that's so beautiful because sure a ton of people listening to this in fact almost everyone listening to this I'm sure doesn't have Tourette syndrome but maybe you found this because you um happened to know Jessica and you know her through you having Tourette's syndrome or I, I, I don't know, but I'm going to wager that most of the people listening here don't have that, but you might have something else. Maybe it's not a mm-hmm. medical condition, but maybe you just have something about you that is just like, okay, this is different. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, regardless of the Tourette's, everyone has awkward moments. Everyone's been a teenager. <laughs> That's why right? teenagers... That's why teenage years are so awkward is because we're still trying to learn these cultural rules. We just don't know. It's life changing.
0: Absolutely. And I just had a snag in my throat. And so it was like, okay, because okay, I just uh, ate a sandwich and a little piece of bread got stuck in the back of my throat. and So I could have made it awkward by just being like, <coughs> But I was like, no, I have control of this situation. I'm going to turn my microphone off for a quick second, get some water and keep going and just let Jessica talk. And so (laughs) right then and there, I took control of that situation that I just had. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the examples I was wanting to get to, maybe not the example in and of itself, but just that idea of, sure, maybe you don't have Tourette's, but maybe you have a cough and... (laughs) actually brings up a story i had like i think it was this sunday This sunday i was in church and i had a similar thing where i had a tickle in my throat throat) so i needed to cough we're in the year 2020 you don't cough in public anymore (laughs) right (laughs) and so i'm just like crap how do i do this (laughs) i can't stand up and leave because it needs to come out and I can't just cough even though I'm wearing a mask like what do I do and so I just kind of like try and do that jiggle in the back of my throat with my neck muscles just like <laughs> it still had to like, <coughs> Glad I'm sitting in the back <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, and that's also what kind of makes it hard like there's a lot of people with Tourette's that actually have a coughing tick and they just Mm. cough for like literally no reason aside from they have to like there's there's no control over your body sometimes I mean there's definitely people that have much more severe cases than I do and they can be painful like I don't want to nullify the fact that Tourette's can be a difficult situation, but at the same time, we do have more control. I think that was another big revelation is recognizing that while I can't always control my body, I can't control the noises that come out of my mouth. I can't control my shoulder tick that I have going on. I can't control, you know, if I've got like a finger flicking tick, you know, those are smaller, more subtle ones. And, but at the same time, like you just feel such a lack of control in your body and and again life's like that emotionally too sometimes life just spins out of control again 2020 perfect example right <laughs> but recognizing where we do have control and where we do have choice is how we write our stars in the first place
0: yeah and interesting fact about me that I'm sure almost none of you know including you Jessica that when I was a middle aged teenager to late age teenager. And that might sound weird, but from about 15, well, th- maybe even from 13. I don't remember. It was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> and and I tried to suppress these memories, but like I ended up having a nervous tick at one point. Mm-hmm. And it shifted from thing to thing as I went through it. And looking back at it, I feel like you know, a lot of it was. um like kind of suppressing my emotions to the point of where they were so bottled up because in my family, emotions were not expressed. My parents have since made changes to where now they are a lot more open with emotions and that's excellent. But growing up, I didn't have that luxury of being like, okay, yeah, well, I feel this way. And so my go-to was play video games and numb it. Which then Mm -hmm. led to, okay, well, you now have this nervous tick and you're playing computer games too often, which means A plus B equals C. Playing video games makes you have this nervous tick, so you're grounded. And I'm just like, uh... It's
1: a vicious cycle, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Right. And I'd keep having it until finally it dumbed down enough through however it dispelled. And I don't even know if it was bottling up emotions. That's just my most recent hypothesis. Mm -hmm. but whatever it was it finally died down enough to where they were like okay yeah you can be ungrounded now and then i'd go back to it and they're like okay well now i got this tick again like i'd have one where i'd like shift my jaw from side to side and just like literally just like ram it just like (laughs) and my parents are like uh you're gonna like break your jaw doing that i'm like i don't want to do it (laughs) (laughs) or i remember this one at a park day i was out with some friends i was like just like have to like just keep jutting my chin upwards and like stretching my neck out and and even today still i like kind of like rub my hand down my neck to kind of still stimulate those muscles in a way that kind of stimulates having that super stretched out neck Mm -hmm. and so for all i know if i went in to the doctor and was like hey do i have Tourette's like For all I know, I could be diagnosed with that. Like, do I know that for sure? No. And am I trying to make fun of it? Absolutely not. I'm just saying, like, for all I know, I could. Mm -hmm.
1: So fun fact, Tourette's syndrome is classified by a physical tick, a vocal tick, like my scream, sometimes as subtle as a cough, but as long as there's some kind of noise vocal coming out, um, onset before age 18, and there can't be really any rhyme, reason, or pattern to it. They're not connected to our emotions like i can be happy and ticking and i can be sad and ticking like right there's not really rhyme reason or pattern those are the four qualifications uh to be diagnosed with Tourette's
0: yeah and going with that second one that i didn't mention having something like i do every now and then just have a you know, mm-hmm. like i do it really quietly mm-hmm. but yeah so for all I know, maybe I do have Tourette's. <laughs> am I going to say, yes, I do, and label myself this so that I feel bad about myself? No. <laughs> yeah. But am I going to pay a lot more attention to this conversation with Jessica? Yes. So <laughs> yeah. we get it's, to choose.
1: Right. It's funny how something that so many people have seen as such a negative, debilitating disability has actually become my strength. I mean, like I said, that's where my book Awkwardly Strong came in because the Tourette's has made me a stronger and better person um, as opposed to, I mean, even within the last few years or so, people were hiding in basements to have a a meeting with other people with Tourette's, but, but we were constantly hidden. You know, even... I mean, people have been working on this for years. I mean, Tourette's is not a new thing. There was, it was actually discovered mid 1800s, wow. I think. And they still know nothing about it. That's another reason where all the multiple stories came in because it could have been, um, you know, oh, what were the different things? there's, there's just different narratives where people say that their Tourette's has disappeared when they have a really strict diet and exercise regime. There's some people that think it pops up as a result of sexual abuse. There's some people that think, no, it's something in the genes, which yes, there's a strong correlation with families. Um, if I have a child, um, I'm I don't remember the s- specific stats, but I'm definitely increased likelihood to have a child with Tourette's as well. Hmm. Um, rather than it just being a random happenstance. But at the right. same time, I'm a random happenstance. There's no one in my family with Tourette's. So it's, it's, there's so many different stories and so many different ways to look even just at Tourette's syndrome. And that ki- is kind of what led to the, there's so many stories. What do you believe? well, what matters is that you believe it and your subconscious is going to make that appear to be true, you know? And so if I did think that it was a physical thing and based off of diet and exercise, maybe I could make it disappear, but I don't want to. I kind of like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, and that's kind of the cool thing is when you get one of these awkward superpowers, as you could call it, if you look at it like that, it's like, why would I want to get rid of that? Right. But if you look at it as, oh, I have a problem or I have a disease. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is if you look at the word disease and break it apart, it's dis-ease. You have right. a dis-ease in your body. And so it's like, okay, are you a host to disease? Or are you not a host to disease? Mm-hmm. And people can choose to see that how they will, but for me, I am not a host to disease. And so just to bring an example of that up, I ended up contracting COVID-19 at the beginning of November and my wife did as well. And we were just like, okay, well, we'll hunker down for the two weeks, get better and bada bing, bada boom, keep going. And I don't even know if it really took two weeks, but we we did the quarantine deal just to be safe. But it was like, I started feeling better after a few days. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let's just keep going. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and it and came guess, down to the narrative. Yeah. That I told myself.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I think that's another example, like with the whole pandemic that's been going on, and everyone says, Oh, 2020's been such a terrible year and it's been so hard. And and yeah, it hasn't there's been new curveballs that have been tossed our way, but at the same time, 2020's been a really good year for me partially because i'm an introvert i will admit that <laughs> <laughs> and i'm totally okay with staying at home and cuddling my two cats and you know and i live in a small town where it's not a big deal you know right. like i my i work part time at an elementary school we still have all of our students in school if they come in contact then yeah they have to quarantine for 2 weeks but most of our students are in school like we haven't had to move entirely online like some larger school districts have so
0: that's cool
1: part of it is situational because of how i choose to live my life living in a small town as opposed to a city with a higher risk part of it is you know me being an introvert but all the things come together like i've enjoyed the more time to myself to work on i'm publishing my fourth book i published a third in july and I'm awesome. working on my fourth. We're in the editing phase. You know, awesome. I was able to host a digital writing retreat. I was able to, I've, I've been able to do so much more because I have more time. And that, I get to choose cool. how to use my time.
0: That's really cool. And right along with you that 2020 has been a good year. I got married in 2020. Was it easy? No. No, it was not has been worth it oh yeah it has been very much worth it and i would not want to still be well how can i say this in a nice way i love my parents i loved being able to live with them but i'm very glad to be on my own with my wife like (laughs) it's so much better for me and i love it and wouldn't go back and wouldn't change how it's been like sure it's been crazy sure it's been hectic sure neither of us got the wedding day we dreamed of for 20 plus years right when it could boils down to it does it matter for us no is there still some oh what if or could it have been like yeah we still do that like that's human but it's been good
1: i think part of it is being willing to be flexible and not having to stick to things exactly as you dreamed. And as exactly as you thought it would, I mean, I'm very used to that just because I never know what my body's going to do. I'm used to rolling with the punches and just seeing what happens and going with the flow as opposed right. to no, it this is supposed to happen this specific way. You know um, OCD is a common um co-diagnosis with Tourette syndrome um I feel very uh, lucky that I don't have a ton of that I do in some regards I mean I work in a library things have to be in their place but it's not, <laughs> not gonna affect the Dewey Decimal System so it's fine
0: <laughs> alphabetical
1: <laughs> right
0: I'm with you on that one although my yes. bookshelf is definitely not organized like that but for a library, a library gotta be that way. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> you know, it's kind of nice to be able to in a way pick and choose, but like I have an outlet for, okay, I'm going to let my OCD run rampant. And then it just, I don't know, in a way it just gets tired. And I'm like, I don't even care if this is in order or not. So like I get to pick and choose as long as mm-hmm. I have an outlet Where this is an okay circumstance, I will allow this to happen versus, you know what, no, I'm going to hold this back for a little bit. Um, A lot of people with Tourette's will hold their tics in, in public, just like you can kind of suppress a cough for a little bit so that you're not coughing. But when you finally allow yourself to cough, you're going to cough up a lung, right? Tourette's will do the same thing, they're called tic attacks, where you're just going to be crazy ticking for a lot longer period of time and more consistently, because you were holding back those ticks um, because you're waiting for an appropriate outlet.
0: Right. That reminds me. um, I don't know if you ever read the series of Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Have you read that one by chance?
1: Not yet. I love Orson Scott Card, but that actually is not one of his that I've read.
0: So I read a couple in the series. I know I read Ender's Game. I know I read Speaker for the Dead, which was the second one. And I might've read more but the one i'm remembering there's this planet where like literally everyone has ocd Mm -hmm. and it's part of their religion Mm -hmm. which is like super interesting to think about but the like the longer they resist going to their ocd outlet the more intense they have to do it afterwards Mm -hmm. And, and it follows the story of this dad and this daughter and this might have been a decade ago i read this book (laughs) so i don't remember a lot of the details plus it did not make sense to my brain at the time like Mm -hmm. all these different words and concepts i'm just like uh dad what does this mean he's like it means this i'm like yeah that still doesn't make sense <laughs> some of it made sense some of it didn't but i just remember right. that one part where it was just like the, this girl had to like follow the wooden grains on the floor from one end of the room to the other end and mm-hmm. if she didn't do it then like she would have to do it more later mm-hmm. it's interesting It's just like huh that's that's a different way to live and i'm glad that i don't have that <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: I might not have started ticking until 17, but once I started learning more about Tourette syndrome and as a result, like how I do have OCD, I remembered in my childhood when I was walking, if my right foot stepped on a crack, my left foot had to step on a crack in the same spot, like whether it was on the ball of my foot or in the arch of my foot, like I had to make them match because they just felt different and one would feel heavier than the other if i didn't have them match like yeah and it was always just something that i thought was weird and my parents always said jessica stop it just get over it um and again it's that that suppressing of it and maybe that suppressing of the ocd is why i'm now so vocal i'm much more vocal than i am physical with my tourettes um i mean you've heard me a couple of times even just on here Right. Um, you know who's to say i don't know i don't feel quite frankly, I don't feel a need to stress over it and wonder what caused it or why I have it. The point is, is I have it. What am I going to do about it going forward?
0: Right. And I feel like sometimes when things happen in our lives, we do focus too much on the why or what is for what could have been, or can I change it? And we're just kicking against a brick wall at that point. Right. And sometimes, you can change it. I mean, rewriting your stars looks both ways. It says, mm-hmm. okay, is this something you can change? Or it also says, okay, if this isn't something you can change, how are you going to keep moving forward? Right. And so it, it goes back to that control and our choice. What are we going to do? Because we get to choose. Right. But mm-hmm. what, what choice are we going to take?
1: Right. And while we don't always get to choose the circumstances, like I didn't necessarily choose Tourette's syndrome, I do choose what happens after. I feel like that's a key point in the Rewriting Your Stars is understanding, okay, this is where I'm at. Where do I want to go? And how do I get there?
0: Right. Well, it's just, I mean, to take that right back to birth, people in Africa didn't necessarily choose to be born there. Right. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't remember what life was like before I was born. So I can't say to that.
1: (laughs) That's theology in a whole different.
0: Right. right. That gets into theology and creation (laughs) or evolution or however you want to look at that. And that's not the conversation we're having. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe sometime later we'll touch on that, but it might be someone else. It's kind of funny. It tends to be each conversation that I don't talk about. I talk with someone within two or three conversations.
1: (laughs) awesome i look forward to listening to that conversation then right
0: (laughs) um but yeah whatever that one looks like but it's like that person in africa that person in i don't know australia like that person in medieval europe during the black plague did they choose to live then did they choose to live there i don't know but did they have to choose what they would do after they were born yeah and we can go into depth on the well at what age do you actually start to choose and it's like okay well um i don't know i don't remember what it was like being a baby (laughs) (laughs) but i remember being a kid i got to choose so from what age and Mm -hmm. uh, i mean this isn't a topic uh, or discussion about when or how or or like what age or all that it's what are you going to do right what are you going to take your circumstances and mold it into being exactly and each of one of us has a different story has a different starting place i mean even someone born like just take a suburban neighborhood like traditional amazing hometown usa suburban neighborhood next door neighbors Nuclear family where there's a mom and a dad and two kids, and both of them have another baby. Same day, same time, completely different story for both of them. Sure, maybe they end up being best friends for their whole lives, but both of them have a different story.
1: Absolutely. And that's part of what was so exciting with what I studied in college is understanding how everybody has a story and how much control we have over that story and, and how we express and live out that story. That's also why I started to get into being a book coach and helping people to write those stories. Cause those stories are important. You know, you right. have those, and this is maybe just my personal take, you know, my personal theology, but I don't believe in accidents. I think everyone has a story and a purpose for a reason. And right. while there are things like car accidents where we may make mistakes the results from accidents are on purpose. You know we we have certain experiences so that we can learn certain lessons and move forward in life to become a better person. Like those are kind of ultimately our choices. Whatever experiences we have, are they more bitter or are they going to make us better? Like this bitter or better concept is something that I'd heard years ago, and it still just echoes in my mind at times, like, okay, I don't want to be bitter about this. How do I make it better?
0: Yeah, I love that bitter better, and it goes right back to victim or victor as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I love how both of those start with the same letter.
1: Right, alliteration's the best.
0: <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> nerd,
1: but I love alliteration.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and well, what's really funny for me is if you go to like. I was in Peru for a couple of years, and man, can Spanish people sometimes really, really confuse the V and the B. Yes. And so for them, it could all be the same letter. Right. <laughs> like, victim, victor, bitter, bitter. And it's just like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. that's the same letter to start all four of those.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. And to bring up stories and books, like, you guys listening to the episode can't see this, but as I'm talking here with Jessica, she's got the Zoom background of a ginormous library behind her with all these books. It's so, so beautiful. Definitely speaks <laughs> to who she is.
1: Uh, <laughs> Belle happens to be my favorite Disney character.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: I always wanted the library more than I wanted the prince.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all <laughs>
1: the books. <sighs>
0: Well, what's cool, too, is my older sister, she's an author that just published her first novel on Amazon last month. It's within the past month. Very exciting. To this day, within the past month. So I think it was last month, November. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she did NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month, Mm -hmm. last year, wrote her novel that she published this year, and this year she did it again, and wrote the sequel and she's like, yeah, I hit the 50,000 word count and it ain't done yet. I'm excited. I'm like, good for you. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if you've got anything you were just wanting to add, Jessica, but to switch the conversation slightly or did you have something to add right here?
1: I can't think of anything. Go, Go ahead and switch.
0: Okay, so definitely related, but to just kind of change gears a little bit. Have you heard about vision boards before?
1: hmm yeah, and I've had a couple. Um, I'm not as visual of a person. I'm much more of a journal writer and I'll write down my plans in my journal and in my planner. And when I write things down, they're more likely to happen. I'm more of a written than a visual vision more, board person.
0: More left brain than right brain. yeah. Cool. Well, that's awesome. And um, I guess it'd be valuable to just ask what experience you've had with that because I definitely am more of a right brain visual person than left brain mm-hmm. writing it. So, for those left brainers that have listened to my podcast and are just like, okay, great, visualize, but like, how else do you do it? <laughs> like, I, I want to ask you on that. Like, how have you done vision boards from a left brain perspective?
1: Um, definitely writing things out. I, I actually just finished reading a book called write it down, make it happen. And she goes into so much more depth. I can't even remember her name right now, but, um, you know, everything that she said is something that's resonated true because that's something that has just always happened. Like I will write things down in my journal, my um, journal every morning, I do something called morning pages, which is actually really good for stimulating the right side of the brain and enhancing creativity. Nice. Um, which I love because it kind of meshes the right brain and the left brain aspect of, of writing. I'm not, I never considered myself a creative person growing up. I always wanted to be creative Uh until I kind of learned what creativity is. I'm actually doing an online course about creativity right now too. Um, and morning pages are a key aspect of that. Um, when you write first thing in the morning, your brain waves are different than they function the rest of the day. that first 30 minutes, you know, you've got that morning grog where things are kind of you know still kind of starting to get going. They're not in the sleeping brain waves. Um, but when you're in that phase first thing in the morning, that's when your subconscious is going to come out a little bit more. you, you write more like you're just dictating your thoughts. You can be writing, I'm so tired, I don't even understand why I'm doing this, but here I go, I'm gonna write these three pages because this is what's gonna help. Um, You know, most of the time that's how I start. Uh But as I write out these three pages, first thing in the morning, I get insights and ideas and inspiration that is also essentially creativity. It's these ideas that I can then Once my brain is fully cognitive and thinking, I can express in a more clear way. But that first idea happens in my morning pages. I love morning pages.
0: That sounds Um, like a really cool thing.
1: You know, sometimes it's not even ideas for books and creativity type of thing Uh, there's a lot of emotional healing that comes out Um, Mm -hmm. I've been writing in journals since I was like eight years old I have so many notebooks
0: (laughs) I feel like (laughs) you and my sister would get along
1: (laughs) I mean as soon as you said she published a book I'm like I want to meet her (laughs) you should (laughs) connect us
0: I, I, Um, I don't remember what age she started journaling at but she like has been a dedicated journaler like I don't think she's missed more than a year of days since mm-hmm. she started. Like, I'd have to ping her on that and say, hey, how long have you been writing in <laughs> journals? But I know it's been right. a lot. And she's gone through, like, probably more than 10 journal, like, books. Mm-hmm. And then she and consistency describes is,
1: them. Consistency is super key. I haven't always been consistent, but... When I have a rough day and I'm also, like I said, I'm an introvert. I can be kind of a quiet person at times, obviously not now. <laughs> i right. kind of chatty right now. But um, there are times where I will just write for hours on end and I will rant and I will rave and I will cry and all of the emotions come out on the page. But that means they're no longer stuck inside of me. Oh yeah. You know, that's, that was a huge healing thing that I did all through college, you know, when this boy broke my heart or I failed this exam, like (laughs) all of that's in my journals, but that means that it's not something that's constantly rotating around in my head, which is another reason the morning pages are so great. It gets out all of the gunk so that you don't have to worry about it and your brain is clear to think about more important things and see more clearly about how you want to solve problems. Cause really that's what creativity is. It's creating something that didn't exist in the first place, which often happens in problem solving. You have a problem, you're stuck between A and B. And so you come up with C like creativity is something that can be created and it's something we're doing constantly i don't think we realize how creative all of us really are if we allow ourselves to see it
0: right and going along those lines it's like okay you get the problem you're like okay well i want this outcome but i need a solution creativity is coming up with that solution Mm -hmm. and creativity isn't just painting either right and it's not just composing music like it's anything where you're like, okay, this didn't exist before. And now it does because I came up with it or I was inspired with this or whatever it is.
1: Or even beyond that, like when I'm working out in the mornings, I am creating better health. When I make someone else smile, I created a smile that didn't exist on their face before. Like even creating a smile, like it's, it's an emotional thing too. It's, it's ah, creativity is everything. (laughs) That's my word for 2021.
0: It's so good, creativity, so good. Yes, <laughs> and that's one of the things I love about vision boards. Jumping back to that, is you get to create, and I loved how you brought up the morning pages and the journaling. Like, that's something that I've more or less known the value of, but being more the right praying slash maybe lazy person that I am, <laughs> I like haven't done that as much as I know I could have. But the times where I do, it's really powerful to just be like, okay, yeah, this is gone and out of my system. I don't have to deal with that anymore. And for me, sometimes it's just literally just talking it out, pretending the person's there and just screaming at them.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: screaming helps sometimes.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Usually if the writing doesn't help and I'm having a bad day and I'm super upset and mad about something, I actually buy super cheap plates from Goodwill or, and I smash them. <laughs> great emotional outlet smashing plates
0: right and this might sound super simple it is Mm -hmm. but it works right for the for those of you listening like super simple but why does it have to be complicated Mm
1: -hmm. like there's
0: so many examples out there in the world of super simple things that work it's like doesn't have to be complicated i mean sure you might see a different design of a can opener but ultimately it comes down to there's something that slides into and slices that can open right <laughs> i mean just to right. take something super simple and just say simplicity works <laughs> exactly so exactly. The, the reason I brought up vision boards, Jessica, in case you weren't aware yet, is I highlight a vision board success each episode or each week. And so okay. today's vision board success, going along with creativity, the, this one, eh, you could argue it wasn't creative, but at the same time, just as much as we talked about what creativity, creativity is, this definitely was creative, even if it was something already going to happen. So back in 2016 i was preparing to serve a two-year service mission and so part of what i decided to do for that was to finish reading the book of mormon and that's a religious text that i read and i'd read it before but at this point in my life i was like okay i want to finish reading this again because Mm -hmm. i'm getting ready to go talk to people about this so i do not remember where i was in the book (laughs) I didn't specify that, but I started it in December of 2015 and finished it April 2, April 8th of 2016, so somewhere between four and five months, and for me, yeah, I knew it was going to be simple enough as just picking it up and reading it, but it still became a creative process of, yes, I want to make sure that this is done before my deadline of April 19th. And I got it done 11 days before that deadline of leaving the country. Nice. And sure I could have brought it with me, but I was like, you know, I wanna get this done beforehand. And so I had that creative, I want to achieve this before. And so the problem was, okay, finish reading before this date. And that was, or like problem was I hadn't finished reading it. And the solution was finished, outcome was finish reading it by the state. The solution was read it right so i like it going back to that creativity element
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um yeah so i don't know if you have anything to say to that or vision boards anymore or thoughts that came up
1: the the vision thing isn't a huge thing for me I, i tend to write things down and once i write about them i it's not in my brain anymore. So I kind of forget about it and it's not until I go back. New Year's is my favorite holiday. I'm so excited for new year's (laughs) (laughs) because What I will do is I will take out my journal from the past year and read through my journals um, and see how much has changed over the past year. As I look to the next year and where I want to be the next new year's Eve. Um, At this point, I'm actually starting to plan two or three years out. I'm actually already looking at 2022 and 2023, Awesome. Um, just because sometimes the goals that I set are huge <laughs> and I can't right. do them in a year. Um, I actually want to open a publishing house within the next few years. That's um, awesome. like really cool. not a self-publish. I want it to be a traditional publishing company, which I know that they're going downhill, but I've got like, I've got plans. <laughs> Let's just say that I've got plans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's something that I've written down and something that I've, I've broken down into bite-sized chunks, but there are some things where I write down, you know what, maybe I want to run a 5k this year. And then six or seven months later, after forgetting about it, I'll sign up and run a 5k or,
0: um, you come back New Year's and you're like, Oh, I did it.
1: Right. Yeah. So it's super exciting to see how things like that will happen. Um, for years, because I was such a bookworm, even when I was like 10 years old, I remember telling my parents I wanted to be a writer, but the the narrative from my parents, because we're both blue collar workers, neither one of them had gone to college is no, you need to go to college so you can get a good job and get a steady, dependable income. Writers don't have that and you can't right. make a living as a writer. <laughs> so I went to it's college.
0: Common narrative.
1: I, right. Very common narrative. But it's, it's again, that blue common, blue collar narrative um that they wanted to give me a better life than they had. Um, and,
0: and that's commendable. Yeah, like, for sure. The, the way they went about it, eh, I personally <laughs> would question that. But the intent behind it is commendable.
1: <laughs> right. But it's funny because when I went to college, I studied, I, I jumped major so many times. There might also be a little bit of add with the Tourette syndrome and the OCD. <laughs> um, also very common to see that happen. Um, but when I went to college and ended up writing this research paper on tourette syndrome and how it affects communication in order to, um, my professors were very supportive and said, this should really be published. And as someone who majored in that and whatever dependable study job I got with that would look favorably, you know, on this groundbreaking idea of tourette syndrome and communication, it could really push me forward in the communications field um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but instead it just kind of turned me back to writer this <laughs> I had wanted when I was 10 and had written down and it told my parents and then forgotten about because I went on this trajectory out in left field right field however you want to say it right out there in the middle of nowhere but I came around full circle um I came back to that because it was something that was written down and something that I had never really let go of. I've never let go of being a bookworm or being obsessed with stories. And even though that wasn't my focus cognitively and attentively, subconsciously, I knew that was what I wanted. And so subconsciously, I was led back to that path. And here I am surrounded by books every day in my library, publishing my fourth book, doing, you know, the writing retreats, the creativity online course, and all of these things so much more than what I expected when I was 10 years old but something that I had written down as a dream or a goal and even though I forgot about it my subconscious there's something I think they said that your hand muscles are directly attached to your heart muscles Um, and so that that connection between writing things out and that getting cemented more deeply in your heart and that subconscious
0: quick question on that do you yeah. write left-handed or do you write right-handed
1: i'm right-handed
0: so you write with your right hand i do okay because I, I know do. that back a generation or so ago the theme in schools was right with your left hand
1: i've never heard that <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i'd like i don't huh. know where i'd heard that from but that's kind of my perspective on what it used to be okay as to the validity. I wasn't born then. I can't say.
1: <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily matter with that, you know, heart being connected to your hands. Because if you were to stick your hands out straight, they're still at the level of your heart. Like there's still right. that connection, right or left hand. It doesn't matter. But those those muscles are still connected, which makes my, you know, logical brain happy that scientifically there is that connection to that subconscious. Um, and, and your heart and how, even if I'm not aware of it, um, I can still be led back to that.
0: Right. And that's really long cool.
1: answer for what you were asking for, but there it is.
0: <laughs> hey, but, but that's awesome. It's giving more insight and more knowledge for those listening. And for me, cause that's really cool to think about the hand and heart thing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask the question on if it was your right hand or your left hand to kind of address that because it's like oh well your heart's on your left side so if it's only the left-handed and you're just like nope right-handed over here
1: <laughs> yep because so. I mean you're yeah if you stick your hands out straight out that arm is going to still connect to your heart that's that's like the cross hair in a way right so
0: and that's cool it it was interesting i was literally just a early like an hour before we started talking i was looking through my journal because in one of the it was like going to be in two or three episodes the vision board success that i had i was like looking ahead seeing what else i'd done i'm like wait a second this one is super vague i don't understand what happened here and i like Okay, check the date, okay, this that okay, go back to my calendar to that date and like, how to have anything different on the calendar like there's nothing related to this what what was this? And I'm like, oh, I hope I wrote this in my journal because otherwise there's no way I'm gonna remember this. <laughs> I went back to my journal. it was one of the times in my life where I was being a journal writer and I'm like, perfect. yes, yes, now I remember what this is. <laughs> so yeah, journal writing is really good and. Do you have any advice for people maybe like me that are like okay I know journal writing's really good but it's just arduous to stay in the practice <laughs>
1: Um and I think that's again where morning pages has really cemented that in like normally will people will journal at the end of the day so that they can record the events of the day and what they did and what happened um but I don't see how that's effective at all because by the time the end of the day hits you're tired you just want to go to bed or you want to watch one more section of Netflix or <laughs> you know whatever that may be right um so when you do it first thing in the morning I mean it doesn't take very long I mean even if you don't do the full Three pages that morning pages recommend. If you take that first 20 30 minutes where you're just dictating those subconscious thoughts, um, you know, plan for an extra 20 30 minutes in the morning. You know, make sure that you're getting to bed early so that you're not hitting the snooze button. (laughs) I've started putting my alarm on the other side of the room, so I have to get out of bed to turn it off and then. you know, I'll grab a drink of water. I'll use the restroom. And then I sit down with my pen and paper and I just write until my brain is fully functioning.
0: That's cool. It, yeah. I've had it for a while where I like don't like having my phone in my room just because that way I'm not like checking it late in the night or first thing in the morning. Cause I mean there's been studies done on that where it's like yeah that's not a very good habit for you to have i'm like okay i don't want to have this habit so what can i do oh i can have it outside of my room and mm-hmm. so being in a one-bedroom apartment it's kind of easy to just have it over here on my desk in the living room and sure the downstairs or next door neighbors might hear it but they've never told me anything so i don't think they can hear it <laughs> <laughs> but i just have it over there and Mm -hmm. um i know that my second alarm could potentially be heard through the wall so it kind of incentivizes me to get up and turn it off which then Mm -hmm. i'm standing up in the other room kind of
1: one thing that got me really good at getting up in the mornings um i work uh with a mentor named benjamin hardy dr benjamin hardy he's amazing look up his work um he's got several books out as well but what he says um something that he said really like struck a chord about telling yourself that I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. today. And when we don't wake up at 5 a.m., we're lying to ourselves and subconsciously we know we can't trust ourselves, which then makes it hard to make decisions because we don't trust ourselves. And, you know, it affects everything. But this concept of like lying to myself, I like to think I'm an honest person. But that just really hit me of, oh, my gosh, I lie to myself every morning when I hit the snooze button <laughs> and I don't want to be a liar. So that was a big deal for me to know I said I was going to get up at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. Like I'll, I'll determine the night before this is when I want to get up um, so that it's getting to a point now where it's, again, subconscious because I'm learning to trust myself on a subconscious level. Mm-hmm. That, um, sorry, my cat, I don't know what they're getting into. Stop
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> but being able to trust yourself on that subconscious level, right? Of, yes. I will do what I say I will do.
1: Right. So then I'm able to actually get up in the morning. Cause even if I just say I'm getting up at 5. AM, I'm getting up at 5. AM because my body is going to wake me up. Sometimes it's even a minute or two before my alarm.
0: Right. And I personally have like always been a night owl and known that I think I want to be a morning person, but haven't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be like, okay, sure, I set two or three alarms, but I don't tell myself that I'm going to get up to the first alarm. It's like, okay, this is to knock me out of sleeping and then after that's like okay and this is two at this point i have two alarms so, so like the first one's like okay knock me out of sleeping tell me it's almost time to get up and i'll either get up in between that and my next alarm or i'll get up at my next alarm and mm-hmm. i give myself the option of okay sometime after this alarm has sounded and before that one has gone too long <laughs>
1: And it's to a point now where I only have the one alarm because I want to be awake. Well, awake. I want to be out of bed when my brain is still mush so that I can write out that subconscious for my morning pages. Like I don't want to just spend 10, 15 minutes of that time laying in bed and not recording all of the brilliant stuff that actually ends up coming out of morning pages.
0: Yeah. And for those of you that are listening that that doesn't quite sound like it's your thing, Something that I've been liking to do and I've been tra- adjusting my schedule so much that I'm trying to figure out how to get back into this part of it is laying in bed, looking at my vision board over on the wall across from where I'm sleeping and just taking that exact same moment of time to cement in my mind, okay, there's this future thing I want, like you're talking about with that heart hand to heart or heart to handwriting Mm -hmm. from when you're 10 years old and the, the new years towards like okay yes i want to do this and i feel like either of these options works for any person but your affinity of left brain or right brain might lend you to one or the other better
1: right
0: and so for me i'm like okay lay in bed visualizing during this time where my subconscious is most open saying okay i want to go and do this cool thing. I want to have this cool thing. I want to achieve this cool thing or whatever it is. And like, as I've shared these vision board successes, a lot of these ones I started with were just personal milestones. I wanted to hit. It wasn't have a yacht. It wasn't earn a million dollars. It was, yeah, like finish reading this book. That's scripture to me so that I can prepare for my religious service for two years. Like mm-hmm. that was important to me at the time. And it's nice. still important to me. But just whatever's important to you. And right now it's like, okay, cement these things I want to do in my mind in that period of time in the morning where my subconscious is open.
1: Right. Yeah. I like that alternative view, like the whatever cements it better for you, whether it's the visual, whether it's the writing, whether it's, you know, I know that there's other things that people do as well. Sometimes people will do affirmations because speaking will... Uh Cement those things a little bit better. So, I mean, if they first thing in the morning, I am going to do this. I am a loving person. I am, you know, whatever your affirmations are, but being able to still cement that consciously and subconsciously, you know, having right. that conscious reminder of something that subconsciously is going to happen.
0: Exactly. And it's that same exact reason why I've wanted to have my phone out of my room because mm-hmm. I don't want that 30 minutes, that 20, 30 minutes of right. openness in my subconscious spent on what someone else is going to feed me through the internet. It's like, no, right. I want to choose. I don't want to just stumble across something and be like, oh, now I have to get that in my subconscious. Right. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I did not want that one in there.
1: <laughs> right. You can only do so many things at once in regards to input versus ex- output. You know, right. if you're constantly inputting something, I'll, I can tell when I'm reading too much, like as much as I love to read, I get more stuck writing because I, there's too much coming in that I don't have the creative energy going out. Yeah. Like it, it needs to be a cycle. I do need stuff coming in. I can't constantly be putting things out. It's like, um, what's a good analogy?
0: Well, it's, it's give receive. It's Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of something too But I mean super random But a cake Frosting cone <laughs> Bag thing Whatever that's called I was thinking- I've, I've, I've got baking friends That will be like come on Benjamin You don't know that I'm like nope I'm not a baker <laughs> <laughs>
1: i'm a water person so i was thinking maybe something like a well where water goes in so and water goes out
0: right right. and i was thinking well too but then i'm like uh you have to deplete the water table before that dries (laughs) yeah i like i don't know and that's where the idea of the cake frosting came from is like okay well sure you can fill it up and you've got like a pound of cake frosting there but it only lasts until that pound of cake frosting's gone then you need to put more in right but if you put five pounds in it man that's going to be a mess and <laughs> right. it's going to be really hard to try and close that one end to where you can actually squeeze it out instead of it coming back out the other end that's true that's true <laughs> i remember <laughs> this because the last time i tried to use one of those my youngest sister taught me how to use it she's like no you got to twist this end." i'm like oh (laughs) you have to create a seal otherwise it just kind of gets all over your hands yeah that makes sense (laughs) but but it's that same thing knowledge creativity like you you have to be able to say okay that's where i'm at and just have it in between the too much and the too little like just as long as it's somewhere in between that you're good
1: right there has to be that balance i mean even if you look I feel like almost everything in nature, there's some form of symmetry. Like if you look at your body, you know, your body's going to be symmetrical. Like there, there needs to be that balance and that symmetry between input and
0: output. Yeah. And even breathing.
1: It's mm-hmm. like
0: you try and hold your breath for too long, you pass out. You try and not breathe for too long, you pass out. Right. So yeah, the cycles, give, receive, symmetry, lots of good stuff. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, it's been a pleasure talking with you, Jessica. Anything you'd add before we wrap this episode up?
1: Um, I can't think of anything, unless I can do like a personal plug. You want to find my stuff?
0: Yeah, that, that's the next question I ask you after you say the other stuff is for the people that want to find you. Uh, I, w- I want to say sorry, but uh, I don't remember what your pen name is, Paula something.
1: <laughs> Paula Jean Ferry. Um, Paula, P a u l a Jean, like the denim. J e a n Ferry is F e r r i. Um, it's an Italian. It was actually my great grandpa's name when it was shortened when he came through Ellis Island, mm. but I don't trust people to say the Talia Ferry because there's a G in there. So, as <laughs> <'cause laughs> Italy. <laughs> so the the um, Ferry, F e r r i, the Italian spelling of it um i've got a website with paula Uh, i've got three books awkwardly strong tragically strong and fearfully strong uh my fourth book is not out yet but it's going to be called hard earned lessons learned and it's about self-publishing um
0: i've got by the time this episode rolls around in february i think it'll be a lot closer to publishing that one too (laughs)
1: Fingers crossed. Editing <laughs> is such a beast. You never know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've for not experienced sure. that yet, but my sister has. And I've just heard that it is not the most pleasant process in the world.
1: <laughs> it just takes so long. <laughs> um, so hard and Lessons Learned will be my fourth book. Everything should be on my website, including my writing retreats that I do every May and November for NaNoWriMo. So people have a chance to get away when they need to write and focus. Um, instead of and having then all have,
0: the distractions,
1: you're right. My online course, uh, on creativity and, um, I do offer coaching as well on occasion. So not very often, but all that information should be on there as well.
0: Excellent. Excellent. I'll be sure to get that link for me to put in the podcast description, so people can just click on it and not have to remember to spell "fairy" f e r r i. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've I very much love cultures, so I like get all into that stuff as well. But for for those of you that don't want to try and spell it, like I like simplicity as well.
1: Right. I tried to make it simple. That's why I took out the Talia.
0: <laughs> right. Right.
1: C-A-L-G-I-A. <laughs> like, mm, no.
0: Yeah. Well, excellent having you with uh, me today, Jessica. And I hope that you listeners have been able to learn a lot from this. I mean, it seems like I do this each time I talk with someone, but we started somewhere when another place came back around and ended up somewhere else. And it's all been super good. And I, I learned from it. I think you might learn from it too, Jessica. And for listeners, yeah. I hope you got a lot out of it as well.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. And as always, remember, you can rewrite your stars. Doesn't matter what you've been through in life. Doesn't matter your circumstances, your situation. You can decide to make the change. You can decide to take control of your life. Jessica's done it. I've done it. Each one of us honestly has done it in some way. And it's just up to us to decide. And I'm bringing people on to prove that it's possible. Remind you it's possible. And we'll see you next week.